hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. My cool shit plug for the week is for Spray Their Name, a movement that started in Denver and is set to go global. Denver-based artists Detour 303 and Hiera Villega teamed up in Denver to create murals for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, and Tatiana Jefferson. These murals are so breathtaking and powerful that they wanted to bring their message worldwide. So they started Spray Their Name. Through detailed murals, Spray Their Name assists in uplifting the voices of oppressed, neglected, and silenced individuals, as well as amplify the voices of leaders, activists, and allies in their specific communities. They believe that public art should reflect neighborhoods and the people within them. Their goal is to unify communities and enhance them through stunning public art. I'm currently working on getting them into my own city, where in which my city is willing to donate wall space and artist support. If you want to help their mission, there are tons of ways to do so, from financial donations, material donations, mural space, lodging, sponsorships, or simply just sharing spray their name to your network so you can amplify their voices. These artists are deeply grateful for your generosity as they continue to spread their message from city to city. Of course, as always, I'm going to include everything you need to know, including how to donate to spray their name in the description and to detour and hero. Thank you for making me proud to be from Denver and keep making art. I hope we meet soon. Thanks everyone. And please enjoy the episode. My guest today is going to be San Diego-based hairstylist Sloan Wormser, so let's just hop on into the episode. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Bianca. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing as, you know, as best I can, I suppose. It's crazy, right? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Tell me about it. Well, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you are hearing on the other end is my hairstylist and super awesome entrepreneur, Sloan Wormser. <laughs> so would you like to give people kind of your elevator pitch, 30,000 feet overview of who you are and you know what you do and all that? Yeah, totally. Um, I am Sloan Stylist is kind of my business name. I have been doing hair for almost 10 years now. Uh, I've worked on, I went to school for hair in Orange County and I've worked in Orange County, LA, worked in the DC Baltimore area for a little while, moved there in my twenties. And then, uh, now I'm in San Diego and I, uh, I love hair. It's like my favorite thing in the world. It's my passion. Yeah. So, I mean, she's, you're, I've had a lot of hairstylists in my life and I know that some of my hairstylists do listen to this and I want to say, you know, I love you, but I couldn't take you with me to San Diego. I apologize, Katie. <laughs> and, uh, I apologize, you know, to anyone else, but I came to San Diego and I lived in Golden Hill and the salon that Sloan works at was around the corner from my house. And I just had like a whim, like a curiosity of, okay, like that salon looks really cool. Like, probably too cool for me, but like, I'm going to check it out. And I, uh, I looked through all of the stylists. They were all talented, but I saw Sloan and I was like, oh man, like this is a person I want to know. Like, first of all, she has like gorgeous tattoos. Um, I know podcasts are an audio 
medium for your ears, but she does, she has really, really tasteful, well done tattoos, which kind of drew me to her in a way. But then also like I'd see the reveals she did on her clients and stuff. And I was just like, man, she's really great. So uh, I do not regret the decision to go with Sloan. I'm a person that picks people pretty quickly on things. Like we bought the first house, we put an offer in on. Yeah. I took the first job. Like I can be kind of impulsive in that way, but thankfully this impulse decision was actually a very good one, a serendipitous one. Yeah. And it sounds like just one of those kind of gut feeling moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I actually uh, currently, like we we're just before we clicked record, we were talking about, you know, Sloan and her clients and all of that and how Sloan's like weathering the storm right now. And um, your salon did something that I really thought was ingenious because I don't normally have a deposit down with you um, mm -hmm. since I'm a, a previous client. So uh, they did a gift card promotion where I could pay because I knew that we were going to have to keep extending my appointment out. So I thought, well, you know, I'll buy the gift card because one, it's going to help out the salon. Two, it's going to help out you. And three, I know I'm going to have to like get a full highlight mm -hmm. like at this point. So, mm -hmm. and, and a haircut. <laughs> so we're all going to need the entire shebang once all of this is over. Yeah. Sure. I'm really glad I didn't ever take the plunge on like eyelash extensions. I'm glad that I <laughs> had a really bad manicure to the point where like, I haven't been able to like get a, get a new one. I'm glad that all of those things happened. Yeah. Like stacked up because I would look a lot worse right now. Yeah, totally. I know. I, uh, I already had to take the nails off everything like that, but I mean, at the same time, like who's seeing us right now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've been doing this. So I have a friend, Megan, and she's amazing. Um, she's she's a really cool chick, and she basically had this has this thing going on on uh, Instagram right now that's like life is short, wear your cool shit. So because of that, I've been actually getting dressed every day, which is novel yeah. because I before that was just wallowing in my sweatpants. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I've been actively trying to like get made up and feel good and get dressed. So I've been trying to do that. I've done it for about a week or so now. And I, I will say it's improved my mood a lot, but I mean, I'm really only getting dressed to go drink <laughs> with my, with my, with my friends from, you know, all over the United States. So I don't really know how productive that is, but, um, uh, here we are so what productivity looks like during quarantine you know like that means something different to every single person right now oh absolutely like and it's just it's interesting kind of what people are doing and I, I I have the saying and I've said it so many times and it's if you're not coming out of this like a better person in in one way or another then you're not doing this right so if you're not coming out of this more creative more positive more human more empathetic um, more generous, more loving than this quarantining was not, it didn't serve you. I totally, totally, totally agree. And I have to say that like, I am definitely somebody who needs a balance between their downtime and their go, 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 go time. But right. for the most part, I can't sit still and I'm constantly moving and pushing. And so this was a huge adjustment. And yeah, I've had a couple days where I just get drunk or like, you know, <laughs> hang out or just lay around. Well, but I can't blame you. Your, your parents are like two of the <laughs> nicest people. I've like, haven't met your mom, but I've like, 
I've been in the presence of her. She's just got such a warm, fun personality. And I, so, so I, like, I wouldn't blame you if you were like, let's get drunk on margaritas today. That's it. Like, why not? (laughs) Totally. We joke that, um, my mom makes the food and I make the cocktails because she's the cook and I love my alcohol. But I was going to say, like, I... I have a lot of friends that have reached out and been like, I'm so bored. Like this sucks so much. I have nothing to do. I'm just sitting around. I've never watched so much TV. And I'm like, you know what? You really have to approach this differently because (laughs) I have been busy every day. There are so many things that we can be taking advantage of right now. Like, like I've meditated every day. I've never meditated more than three days in a row in my life. And now I'm doing it every day. I've done some kind of workout every day. That's way new for me. I'm like, oh, look, I'm like doing my, you know, uh, my videos that I'm watching like you do on your Peloton. And it's amazing. Like I get to work out at home and nobody can see what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. What? That's the best. And, um, you know, reaching out to people, I've written friends like 30 different cards to send in snail mail and just sending texts to clients or people that I haven't even talked to in years and just being like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm thinking about you. And I promise that that goes so far. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of like, I've been always thinking I wanted to do a podcast. Like I was, I, Oh, I have this, you know, I've always wanted to be a guest on someone's podcast. And then I realized like, oh, like no one's ever going to have you be a guest on their podcast. You have to just create your own. (laughs) So I got laid off and I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to go for it. And it kind of came to me after having a really um, inspirational conversation with a friend, a friend of mine, her name's Mel. And I've known her for, um, I guess I've known her for a while, but we only recently like reconnected. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of said, you know, like when you talk about the thought of starting a podcast, you light up, you're very excited. You're, you know, I just like, I can tell the creative juices are flowing. And I, at that point, it was like two weeks before shutdown. And I hadn't even thought about like what I would even talk about. If I would have a guest, if I would do it solo, what would people think of me, this, that, the other, and got laid off. Quarantine happened. I ordered a microphone. I Googled, how do I do a, how do I make a podcast? And I just went for it. And, and I have, you know, so far that I've had really positive responses because mostly I haven't shot this out into the ether. Like it's mostly just my friends that are listening to it. Um, but I haven't that I'm, I'm starting to feel that this is a really positive thing I'm doing and I'm never going to like look on this and think I did, did something negative because I have this idea that if my podcast changes one person or makes them feel more connected or, uh, get someone the help that they need, then I think that that's me doing my job and I could talk all day. (laughs) Well, I think one thing too, Bianca, is the fact that you're doing it with friends. You have friends in every niche and corner ever. And so Mm -hmm. it's like every single person that you're interviewing has a completely different story. You don't, you're not looking for one very, very very specific person. And, And in like the questions that you sent me, you asked me, what do I think, um, Uh, imposter syndrome means. And I went into my definition. And at the end, I said, but I tell you what, I think every single solitary person alive goes through it in some way or another. Yeah. 
I think so. I, I, and I think that the more I'm uncovering, the more conversations I'm having, I mean, really like offline, I'll tell you kind of some of the ones I've been having recently, um, just cause I don't know when this is going to release. Um, so I don't want to like speak out of turn and say, Oh yeah, previous week was this, but, um, I have had some incredible conversations, um, just from all walks of life, you know, someone that's transitioning at 47 years old or a Broadway star or, well, she's not, she is a Broadway star, but she's going to eventually, like the, the show she's in is still working, even though they cannot release it this year. Um, and she moved to New York for it and I went to college with her. I mean, like I have all of these random networking people and similar kind of to you Sloan, cause you're, you're also very network driven that I just keep, if someone's interesting, I keep them in my life. I have to, like, I, I like to, I like to keep that interesting. I've never not been able to solve something. Like if someone comes to me and they need something, I probably can solve it within two to three touch touches. Right. Because right. of who I know. So I, that's, that's like the one thing is it's a little bit of a showboat. Cause I love, I love my friends and my network and the people I talk to, but mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did touch on, I did, I do send a questionnaire beforehand. So let's just hop into it. Um, do you feel like you fit in? Do you suffer from imposter syndrome and what ways, and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Um, I love the topic of imposter syndrome. Again, going back to the fact that I think a lot of people go through it, even subconsciously, maybe people go through it. Um, I know for me in my life, right now, I feel very confident. I feel very good at where I'm at. I'm 29 and I was lucky. I use the word lucky strangely, but I was lucky enough to go through a lot of hardships in my teenage years Mm -hmm. and work on them. So I was able to, over the last, you know, 10 years, really turn myself into this confident woman that I am right now, but I still have this like lingering child or teenager that's always in the back of my mind telling me you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You don't belong here. You don't work hard enough. This isn't, you know, your place. These women that you work with and hang out with are too cool. You know, just this constant, Mm -hmm. like kind of checking myself. And, and I think a lot of it is just pure like self-confidence and um, a big thing that I that I wrote in the notes was I have pushed myself really hard out of my comfort zone and really hard in terms of self-development and work for 10 years now and I can tell you that if there's one thing I have learned about building confidence it's that you can never build confidence until you do things that put yourself way past your comfort zone. You see that you were able to achieve them. And then the next thing that's out of your comfort zone isn't so daunting because you've been able to accomplish things in the past. And I think that's imperative. I have so many friends that constantly, constantly say to me, like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like, They never do because they're afraid. And it's like, well, I'm tired of hearing about it. Don't even talk to me about it anymore because unless you're going to do something about it, then stop saying you are, you know? I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredibly insightful. I think that 
is really great advice. And I think I, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, you know, nothing annoys me more than someone saying, oh yeah, we should do this. Oh yeah, we should do this. Oh yeah, I should do this, you know? And then they just never put the plan into action. And I respect the fuck and admire the fuck out of people who go, all right, I got a plan. I'm going to do it. Like, totally. which I think is, you know, definitely, you know, easier said than done in a lot of ways. But I like that kind of that, that mantra that you have to push yourself really hard outside of your comfort zone in order to gain that confidence. Cause I've never looked at it that way, but I think that you're absolutely right. And the biggest changes in me happened when I moved and I, and mm-hmm. I had the chance to not necessarily reinvent myself, but I had the chance to be me without any high school judgment, without any college people knowing me, no one knew me. Right. And that really helped skyrocket my career, my confidence, my self-worth. Um, I was working on myself. I mean, I dedicated myself to that dang Peloton bike. Like I, I, I pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself. And while I did get laid off and that is a bummer, I'm proud of what I've done in the last year. Yeah. Of where I'm at. Cause if you met me in Denver, you'd be like, this is a very different person. I love that you're bringing this up because for me, when I look back at my life, moving has actually been imperative in terms of getting me to where I'm at mentally. We moved from very, very, very small town, Massachusetts, to Orange County, California when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And it was horrible and traumatic and awful and took me many years to recover from that but then after when I was what 21 I had the opportunity to move to LA after I graduated from hair school and I was like all right well I moved to Orange County and ultimately I am still alive and I did survive so I can probably do LA so I moved to LA then it wasn't necessarily the right place for me but I conquered I did it and I felt more confident Then I had the opportunity to move to San Diego and I thought that could be really cool. I did LA, I've done that, I can do that. So maybe I'll try San Diego. Then I did San Diego and then I had the opportunity to move back to the East Coast, which was huge and no one, no one believed in me. No one supported me. No offense mom and dad or mostly mom, but I think it's really that she was, she just (laughs) didn't want me to leave more than she just didn't support me going you know what I mean and and um then I moved to Baltimore I was pretty much alone a few family members there but I moved in with these two guys in the city and they had a friend group of like 50 people strong and they invited me in immediately I crushed it at the salon and within a few months everyone was like okay Sloan like we get it we see what you're doing And that year and a half in Baltimore was the most um, impactful, profound, positive thing I've ever done for myself in my life. And if I hadn't pushed myself and done that, I wouldn't have had that experience. And then I moved back to San Diego and it's only been positive since. So doing those like major, major, major steps is huge. I have a lot of people in Baltimore that were always like, can't wait to move to San Diego, can't wait to move to San Diego. And then never did. And it was like, I can't even, I can't, like, what am I even supposed to do anymore? Like, tell you, oh, yeah, you got this. No, just, I don't even want to, like, you know, either yeah. say you want to do it and do it or don't say it. Like, even with me 
I call it, um, I call it bragging about the future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. And, and it's kind of, I can relate it to, um, not necessarily people moving to San Diego, but I've had a two bedroom. So my husband and I were in a one bedroom kind of like modified studio for two years. We moved to San Diego to a two bedroom. I had a couch and a second bedroom and we said, okay, we'll buy an air mattress when someone agrees to come visit. Yeah. It's been over a year. I own a house now. I own a house now. I have three bedrooms, three and a half. One is an office. One is a dedicated guest room. The only people that have come to see our house are my in-laws. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, and, and now COVID, like I'm not, no one's coming. Yeah, now forget about it. Regardless <laughs> though, it's like, it's like, stop telling me you're going to come visit me and just effing do it. Or, yeah. or just, just tell me to my face that you don't want to come. And like my husband like prepped me, Scott prepped me for it. He was like, babe, like, he's like, people are going to say they're going to come visit and they're not going to. And I was yeah. like, I was so hopeful. I was positive about it. I was like, oh yeah. Like they're definitely going to come. No. <laughs> And I love my friends back home and I know that like they, they all have different financial backgrounds and, and they all have different worries or they want to go travel somewhere cooler than San Diego or whatever. And, and that's fine, but it's definitely like a little bit of a bummer. It doesn't really help with my like homesickness because the things I miss in Colorado are not family driven because um, mm-hmm. I'm not extremely close with my family, um, but they're more... Um, people and friendship related. So I miss the key people in my life, like that I spent a majority of my time with, but the COVID has really made a beautiful impact because we can just hop on zoom now and that's great. Um, so, so it could be worse, but I a hundred percent get what you're saying about like bragging about your future and what you're coulda, shoulda, woulda done. Um, I love that, that, that that's, you know, how you're seeing it. And I just, I don't know. I met you and I was just extremely captivated by you. You're just very like inspirational. And I don't know if you know that. I, maybe it's just because you are confident and you project that confidence, but maybe. I definitely like, you have like a very like calming presence, but it's very inspiring. I appreciate that. Sometimes I get nervous being six feet tall, that I can be almost like, <laughs> at, like I, for lack of better words, like intimidating and people can be a little shy towards me. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I will go back to something you were talking about, which is uh, high school, high school being traumatic. Like I can't imagine going from small town, Massachusetts to Orange County. Like if I, my husband's from Orange County and he has nothing good to say about the high school he went to. My best friend, Marcy, she has nothing good to say about the high school she went to just outside of LA. Like it sounded awful. So I'm sorry you had to go through that. Well, so it's interesting. I, I, freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was still in Massachusetts and my, my parents and I decided it would be a good idea for me to actually go to a private boarding school. So I lived at um, the high school I went to in Mass for the first two years. It was only about a half an hour away from home so I could go back whenever I wanted, but I've always struggled with academics and they had a really, really, really good program for kids that were struggling. So I went there and unfortunately I met this girl there sophomore year um, who chose to bully me and made it her mission to 
get everyone else involved and uh, make my life a living hell. And I actually learned what depression and anxiety was because of that girl. So I tell you what, Bianca, I don't have a lot of issues with many people, but if I see this girl ever again in my life, whew, <laughs> I don't know, like, hold me back, hold me back. I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time, you know, it's been over 10 years since that happened, but she hurt me. She really hurt me. And she, she really affected who I was as a teenager. And, mm -hmm. and it's too bad because what that meant was that started at 15. Then we moved to California when I was 16. I was so lonely. I was, you literally wouldn't recognize me when I was 16 either. I was so shy. I could barely talk, which is so crazy oh, now. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, Sloan as a teenager was like very, 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 very timid, like scary timid to the point where unfortunately what that meant was I didn't stick up for myself. And I was constantly seeking for validation and I sought after it in the wrong places, you know, like mm -hmm. my girlfriends were not giving me what I needed. I realized at about the age of 14 that I was a pretty girl and I realized that a really, really, really easy, easy way to get some sort of validation was through boys and sex. And I put myself, once we moved to California, and um, I definitely put myself in some really, really compromising situations to get attention and feed this void that I mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with at that age. And uh, it led me to some, some trauma. And I, yeah. I had to spend... You know, I, I still deal with it. I still have PTSD. I, I still get nightmares and they're nothing even fucking remotely close to what they were when I was 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. 19 years old, but they're still with me. And, um, you know, I just, I, I made a lot of mistakes and I, 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 I found drugs and alcohol and boys and all of these really, really negative ways of, of feeding yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, thank God for my parents at 19, they had an intervention for me. And I was like, I was so like arms open to it. I said, listen, guys, I want to get better as much as you want me to. I just don't know how to do that. So once they put me in an outpatient treatment program and sent me to therapy and I started going to AA and my whole life changed. And I mean, I got sober at the month before I turned 20 years old. So it was, it was young and, yeah. and I, I'm so fucking blessed to have been able to be introduced to that supportive community environment at yeah. some age, you know? So I, I really appreciate your story. Like, and I, that's why I even texted you after I read this and I just said, you know, Hey, like there's a lot we can talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I was never the pretty girl in high school. I was told I was ugly in seventh grade that like stuck with me. I had to go to therapy when I was like 15 years old. I felt, I felt like my parents didn't understand me. I was in a very sheltered, controlling environment. And it's just my parents were doing their best. And I look back on it and I'm like, I can't blame them for like what, what happened. I'm just not going to. Like, I'm not even going to go there. It's of not course. worth the, the thought. Yeah, yeah me neither. Yeah. But when I got to college, I was 45 minutes away, free of my parents, uh, free of this control, so to speak. And I had a boyfriend 
pretty quickly into getting into college and he was sexually, emotionally, and physically abusive. Mm-hmm. Got out of that. He dropped out, got out of that relationship. Um, and I got into another one and I knew I was pretty. I lost, I lost the freshman 15 plus some. <laughs> and I, I, I was thin. I was starving myself. I was not nourishing my body. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I was telling my parents, I was like, I need to like, I need to go to like an eating disorder facility or something. Cause like mm-hmm. I, I would eat like half an apple and that would last me three days and I would almost oh, yeah. faint in class and it would be a hundred degrees and I was wearing like sweatpants. Mm. And so it wasn't good, but I joined a sorority. I joined a sorority <laughs> because I wanted to have friends. Yeah. Um, and I don't talk to any of the people that I was in a sorority with. I, it was horrible and yeah. a miserable, miserable thing. Yeah. I got raped at a frat party. I got put on judicial board um, because ever and then everyone hated me because I was the reason that they couldn't have parties anymore because I, it, and like no one, I, I was so ashamed of what I did to the sorority and the, and the Greek life at the University of Northern Colorado that I didn't process my sexual trauma um, until I was 25 and yeah. another person raped me. Oh. And I, I was maybe 25 or 26 and it was, it hit me like a freight train. Hmm. And I, I will say that like, similar to you, I was in my teens when a lot of my, the things I did were happening. And in my early twenties, I was doing a lot of really risky things and, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, you name it, festivals, whatever. And I'm not proud of it, but it is part of my fabric and it's part of who I am. And I am so grateful that I, I, I'm a person that if you fuck with me, I will never, I will forgive, but I will never forget it. Yeah. And I will prove you wrong. So I won't sit back and I won't take it. I will prove you wrong. I will prove you, I will will myself into succession. I will, I will not ever, ever let someone see me fail. Cause I don't, I, and I don't, and I don't allow myself to feel like a failure. Like, yeah, I got laid off or yeah, this happened or whatever. Like, I know that there was choices I've made in my life. I put myself in very risky, very scary situations. I'm grateful that I'm alive today. I'm grateful that I ended up, it led me to my husband. I'm grateful that I am a positive person, that I'm not jaded, that I'm not angry, that I'm not negative. So I think that there's a lot of strength in what you've shared. And it actually made me understand you a little more because I'm very similar in how I kind of operate. Um, so yeah, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't really talk about mm-hmm. the negative stuff that I went through because to me, I almost see it as like another lifetime ago and yeah. done such an insane amount of self work that um, I don't recognize that Sloan anymore, but she definitely pops up and, you know, I think... We really have to be gentle on ourselves, Bianca. Mm-hmm. I think you and I are inherently hard on ourselves. We just have really, really, really high expectations of what we can do and what we can achieve. And and sometimes we need to realize, like, like a, a really good example is quarantine. As much as we feel like we need to use this time to do everything ever, 
that we can't, that we don't usually have time for. It's like, okay, but you can also have a day where you just sit on the couch and don't do anything, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I agree with you there. Like, I think, I think I'm learning more and more. So every conversation I'm having for this, I'm learning that we need to be kinder to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to give ourselves some grace and some humility Mm -hmm. and that every time I have a conversation, I'm realizing like, I take away something of like, oh, I want to like treat myself better in this way or that way. But as women, I think it's more, I think it's, I think it's a human thing, but as women, I think it's a, uh, I think we as women, especially women in the workforce and women who, you know, are hustle, we have that hustle drive. We're very hard on ourselves because we'll look at someone else and go, well, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have that. So that makes, makes me not successful or I don't, I'm not making this amount of money, but I know that my friend is. And so why am I not? And, and so I find that we kind of like grass is always greener ourselves, like looking in a, like, you know, looking out a window and seeing something that's better. But when the reality is, is that they're probably, they look successful from the outside, but they have, you know, things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So there's, you know, it's like a highlight reel we're seeing their highlight reel. We're not seeing the bloopers. And you know what? I think that's, that's why I love your podcast so much. I think this is literally what your podcast is, is making people recognize that we all put an enormous amount of self-judgment on ourselves. Most of it stems from us comparing ourselves to other people. And at the end of the day, we have no idea what is happening behind closed doors. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, and so I agree with you there where you're like, you got, we have to be kinder to ourselves really at the end of the day. You know, if, if you don't love yourself, how the hell is somebody going to love you, you know? And, and at, like, there's just so many beautiful things about being human and human nature. And like I mentioned, like we all need to come out of quarantine better people, yeah. but you know, it's just, everything's going to change and I'm hoping that the positives that we're seeing continue to be the trend. Totally, totally, totally. I'm seeing a lot of people wanting to help other people. Yes, and me too. That's like so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So we touched on imposter syndrome and like the feeling of fitting in, but let's move on to uh, something we just kind of touched on, which is success. And um, what does success look like to you? And then at this current time, do you feel successful? Um, yeah, I'd say I feel successful. 2019 was my best financial year ever. Um, and I beat my, uh, monetary goal for 2019 by $10,000. So that was really exciting to see. Um, and six, like I have a really good relationship with my family. I have really good friends. I don't have a, I don't have a boyfriend right now, but I have really healthy relationships with men and with, um, men that have been in my past previously, or I let the bad ones go. But, um, I literally work at the coolest salon, like ever, like honestly ever. It's, it's, I work at the salon Raven and Sage and we just moved into a brand new space in North Park. That's huge and beautiful. And, um, unfortunately we were only open for two weeks before the shutdown happened, but I'll be eager to get back in. And yeah, overall, like doing well to me, success is like, and I, and I'm happy. And I'm also mm -hmm. very aware of my depression and my anxiety and, uh, 
what I can do to avoid going back to that place. That's something that I'm, I'm extremely self-aware of my emotions, my strengths, my weaknesses. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like, let's be real. Finances has so much to do with how I feel about myself. And, and since you and I are talking, I'll just bring this up. Like you owning a home to me in San Diego blows my fucking mind. Like I, like I might've done well, like if you look at how well I did, you know, gross income in, in 2019 and 2018 and going into this next year. But, um, I, uh, uh, see you as like buying a home and obviously you needed an enormous amount of money saved. And that's something that I really, really, really struggle with. So, um, I could certainly not buy a house in San Diego right now, but, but my, uh, Mercedes GLA 250 is certainly on the, <laughs> on the, uh, goal list. I turned 30 in December and that is supposed to be my 30th birthday present to myself. Obviously these couple months might, might put a little dent into that, uh, negatively, but, but I'll, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it happen. It's been a goal of mine for six years and 30 was my, uh, I, I told myself my, that would be my 30th birthday present to myself. So I'm going to make it happen. I love that. And I, I know you will, cause I, I know you and I like, you don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say really quickly back to what we were talking about at the beginning, mm -hmm. when people say that they're going to accomplish something and then they don't, I, I have to also follow up with saying that there's also an enormous amount of validity to saying these things out loud, because I believe that the more you say you're going to do something, you are manifesting that happening. So there are things that I do choose to not share with people that are ideas because I feel insecure about the idea. But like my Mercedes, I tell everybody that I'm going <laughs> to. I know. I think you've told me about it pretty much every time. <laughs> <laughs> like when I, I was like looking through your answers and I was like, where's the GLA? <laughs> but, but I, but I love that, that you have a goal and you know that like, like that's going to be like, I earned this. I earned this car. Yeah. And I, I love that. And eventually you will own a home. I know you, you will. Thank you. Um, you know, we have being military has its perks in a lot of ways. Um, and I also worked for a title and escrow company. So I got free title and escrow, which okay. is pretty expensive in the closing costs. Okay. And uh, Scott had been saving for years. It, this is what my husband's doing. It's, it's only partially me. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of had the best opportunity because if we hadn't purchased, we would be, I'd be moving by myself right now. Like, mm -hmm. ugh, which I just couldn't even imagine. Like the thought of that just like gives me the creeps. It, it yeah, makes me anxious. Mind. Like I get, my palms are sweaty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think we all measure success differently. And I think we all feel loved and accepted in different ways. And for me, I, I, I've used this example a few times, but I, I started my own business in Denver and no one wanted to pay me. And I felt like I wasn't contributing to my relationship because I couldn't find monetarily um, contribute. And it was really nice coming on to a full-time 40-hour-a-week job where suddenly my paychecks were actually making an impact in that savings account. 
and it felt really good to be providing. And so I, I, even though I provide in other ways where I would do our laundry or I would clean or I cook or whatever, and that sounds very Susie homemaker, but it was what I could do to make sure that the person that's working could feel safe and secure. Cause my husband's always going to have a job. He's in the military. Yeah. Um, so, but I have a, such a hustle drive and innate need to want to work. And so it's been really tough for me to not do anything. That's why I'm making this podcast like my full-time thing right now. Cause it's, yeah. it's, it's giving me a project. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and it's interesting to hear how other people measure success, but I know you're successful because not only do you get referral clients, but you booked me through Instagram, which is, that speaks for itself. I was like, oh, I'm going to go with her, you know? And I just continue. And then I'm a referrer. Like I refer, I do referrals like crazy. Like my, my realtor Ehab. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Or, you know, my, my hairstylist Sloan, like I'm going to tell you about it. My tattoo artist, Christina Ayers. Like, like I, if you do good by me, I send people your way. If you do yeah. bad by me, I will trash your brand. Yeah. Everyone that knows. <laughs> totally. I mean, so. I, have to, I have to say, like, I'm so proud of you, Bianca, because I feel like people really are not taking advantage of this time. And I've had huge, huge goals for myself in terms of creating this um, online mm-hmm. education base for um for clients and uh, just normal non-hairdressers. And I um, am realizing like I was never able to, I, you know, I work 50 plus hours a week. And so I had never been able to figure out how to um, manage that on the side. And yeah. now that I have this time off, I'm like full force diving into it right now. And I that's know that that's exactly what's happening with you and your podcast. It's like, this is the time we're never going to have this time again, ever. Oh yeah. We're never going to have the lack of responsibility to be somewhere for 40 hours a week. So this is the time in our own homes to take advantage and learn so much. Absolutely. And I love that. And I'm so excited for you to launch that because you've been telling me about this for like, it's been about six months that you've been mentioning it and you had that video that released, which is amazing. I'm going to link it in the description of this podcast because I love it. Um, But I just like, I'm equally proud of you because I'm seeing you take a rain cloud and, you know, find a rainbow, which is like what we need to be doing right now. Everyone needs to be doing that. That's how I feel about you too. Oh, thanks. Okay, so we've touched on the the you know the nitty gritty of imposter syndrome and success and 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 fitting in and all of that. But this is where I I love this portion of my podcast where I get to talk about things that people are fanatical about and why. Um, so I will uh, go first. So what um, one thing that I am currently fanatical about is uh, I'm a 30 year old child. I love Disney. And my friend Sherelle sent me a website called the Walt Life Box. And it's a subscription box. And it came today. And I squealed. I was like, ah! it came with six things. They're like totally useless. I don't need any of them. But oh my God, do I love it. 
and it was an amazing purchase. So I'm extremely excited about it. Like I got a mug and like pins and I got socks and a necklace that I will never wear and this Mickey Mouse hairpin. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I love this best $60 I've ever spent. Sorry, Scott. Um, and I, I, I will pop, I, I got the biggest box. So I'm going to downgrade my box to like just the normal one now that I know what's in it. And, um, but yeah, so that's currently what I'm fanatical about was just, I miss Disneyland so much. And this box just really made my day. I love it. That's so rad. By the way, hold on to that pin, bring it in at your hair appointment and we'll do like a cute photo with the- Oh my gosh, let's do it. Hair. Yeah, I, I will. Yeah. It's gold. It's gold. I wish it was rose gold, but beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. <laughs> the box. Bianca, that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, okay. I love that one for you. I think that that's really cool that, you know, you're obsessed with something and there was this like opportunity to order it for honestly, not that much money and, and really be able to bring you so much joy during that, this time. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Um, my, I'm, fan I have like lots of things that I'm fanatical about. I, um, I'm fanatical about my parents' dog, Oliver, right now, which is, I know it sounds he's so really, cute. He's a little Cocker Spaniel and he's the love of my life. He's actually sitting in my lap right now. I wish, oh, we, I wish you could see him through the podcast, but um, I've never had a dog ever. I didn't grow up with a dog and um, staying with my parents during this time, it's been um, a blessing having him around. And, yeah, and you've been walking him and just yeah, like that's so all positive. of your stories are so yeah. like I'm like dang like I wish I had somewhere to walk in Lemon Grove and I don't um <laughs> totally, totally but yeah so I, I've been really like lo loving the Oliver stories yeah. <laughs> more Oliver content yeah. 2020 <laughs> um I'm also obsessed with tattoos I have my whole right leg covered I call it my sea leg because it's all nautical themed and then my left leg is halfway full. The entire back is full now. Um, I just have to fill in the front. And I call that my land leg because that's all uh, more like land themed stuff like insects or flowers or animals. So um, I'm going to finish both legs. I'm going to have full tattoo pants, I like to call them. And um, uh that's really exciting. I, and I, I had to bring this up too. I love that your first interview was with your tattoo artist. Cause I think that hairstylists and tattoo artists are really similar. Mm -hmm. We have that, um, that really creative kind of out there vibe about us. And, um, I also like your hubby have been tattooed by, I can't remember if you said this about yourself too, but I remember you mentioned it about your hubs. He's been tattooed by almost only women is that yeah. right yeah that's true and so I um I originally so the story on my tattoos is that originally I had a pizza slice tattoo yeah. my parents were helping me financially I got it from Ryan Willard he's at Marion Street Tattoo in Denver he was a friend of my friends drunkenly I booked this appointment yeah. I was 25 I want to say I was 25 25 26 I don't remember at this point it was a long time ago my parents were financially helping me and they were like, we hate tattoos. Like we will pay, 
pay you. We will pay for it to get it removed. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to wait six weeks and I was like, well, I'm not in a position to deny that money. So I was like, okay. And I was one session away from it being completely off my body. Like, and it, these, these things are like a hundred dollars a session to like go and get it zapped. Like, and it yeah. sucks. It hurts more than getting the damn tattoo. Yeah. That's what it hurt. So it was one session away from getting it removed. I met my husband who has a shitload of tattoos. I knew I was going to marry him. And I was like, eh, I don't give a shit what they do yeah. anymore. You know, whatever. Like it's my body. So we went, we went to Dallas cause he was traveling for tattoos and I ended up getting it re-inked after a bunch of margaritas, which was very stupid. <laughs> and it hurt because it was over scar tissue. It yeah. really fucking hurt. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, do not get a place. If you're going to get, okay. If you're going to get a tattoo, fucking commit to it yeah. because <laughs> it hurts more doing what I did. I literally learned the hard way. Okay. So then I got it done. I was like, ow, it hurts. So I like got up and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I had this like crappy, like it was so bad looking. Like it looked like I, someone had done it in their kitchen. Mm. So then Scott got the rest of the pizza slice. <laughs> we got the rest of the pie and we have matching tattoos and he got it shortly after we got married and from Ryan Willard again. And then Ryan tattooed another tattoo on him. And so I was like, okay, like, you know, I want to eventually get it fixed, but I couldn't find the right artist and I didn't feel comfortable. Sorry, mom and dad. Then they will never listen to this. I didn't feel comfortable getting tattoos when I knew that they would see them when they're so deeply disappointed by them. Yeah. So I moved to California. We met Christina and now I have seven tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about Sorry. right. Yeah. But, but I, I, I feel like I'm very much, I never thought I would be a tattoo person, like never in my lifetime. But really? I, I, yeah, I, I I always thought I always wanted a wrist tattoo, which is the dumbest place to get your first tattoo. It really is. It's like the dumbest. And then getting it removed and then getting it re-inked, it's all dumb. So kids that are listening, don't get a don't don't do that. Um, so I and then like my my I, I had a, a family situation that was really really intense and hard. I had to fly back what back for, and then my tattoo artist was doing a flash sale. I got a bicep piece in May, so I have. I have pretty big tattoos I've committed to. And when I went back home and my parents saw that I had that giant, this giant bicep thing, they were like, I mean, <laughs> like, like you're married. Like, what can we do? You're married. You know, like, like it, we don't approve of it, but that doesn't mean that like, you're like, you're not our problem anymore, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I have seven tattoos. Um, and because I've had a re-ink from a female, I actually have mostly only been tattooed by women then. That's awesome. I, um, I love that. I'm the same way. So my entire right leg was, was done by this girl, Jasmine Wright. And then she moved to New York, unfortunately, about a year ago. So I, I had been on the hunt. I just found a new artist I am now dedicated to life to. Her name's Megan Rose. She's up in Orange County. I also, in between then, was getting tattooed at Flying Panther right by mm -hmm. um, the salon, you know, the original Raven and Sage where you and I met by this woman, Catherine Branock. So yeah, and, and in fact, um, I haven't had the best experiences getting tattooed by men. So for me, it's very easy. I just, I love the ladies, you know, and yeah. they're gentler, they're gentler and like, Bianca, you're getting tattooed for 
one to five hours potentially you better like who you're spending that time with they're like like, pain on you you know yeah and I and I love Christina she's I mean just like I had that gut feeling about you I had that same gut feeling about her my husband I've I've trained he's he used to be a lot more skeptical now he's with me and he's like shit did we do we just buy this house we just saw and and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, or like in, in my lifetime with Scott, it's like, I knew, I knew he was the one on my first date. The first, I, I test drove one car and figured out that was the car I was going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I chose the first tattoo artist I met and vibe with, uh, which was, uh, Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we bought the first house we saw, like, so, I mean, really like, well, it wasn't the first house we saw. We bought the first house we put an offer in for, but yeah. Regardless. And I met my friend, my, my, I met my realtor at a silent disco in Hillcrest and I was like, you're going to sell me a house. Yeah. So <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm just, I very much go with that gut feeling. It, it very rarely gets me in trouble, but yeah. yeah, tattoos. I mean, you were right. They are gentler, but I, I never realized that she had a gentle hand until we were, she wasn't tattooing. She tattooed the back of my arm with a Mickey balloon. And I was like, oh, this is what this is supposed to feel like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like I chose the two worst spots for a tattoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's very different getting tattooed depending on what part of your body you're experiencing it on. Like I've gotten tattooed just on my, I have like a baby, baby, baby tattoo on my uh, forearm. But then, you know, I have a giant tattoo in my knee ditch that made me Oof. Die. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Just you saying that, I was like, well, because because it's similar to the bicep where your nerve endings are all right there, and I don't know why we do this, but I mean we do. (laughs) Because Bianca, once we get it done once, we never need to do it again. Well, unless it's you and you. (laughs) I take it back. I was gonna say unless because we get it done once and then we never have to get it done again. But unless you're Bianca and you get your tattoo removed and then you get it put back. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and looking back on it, like, I'm just like, it's, 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 I'm, I find the humor in things. And at the time I like was in a very depressed part of my life, like where I was like, where I would, I felt, I, they made me feel ashamed of something that I did that like I was proud of. And nowadays I don't let that, that negativity in my life. I don't invite it. Um, but I felt like I had no choice at the time. So so I went with it. I, re- I leaned into it. I mean, whatever. And, but now I'm like, you know what? You don't like my tattoo. You don't want to hire me because I have tattoos. Whatever. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter. And whatever body I'm going to have when I'm old is my body. You don't get an opinion. So totally. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I love that. Yeah. You have really beautiful tattoos. So I'm, yeah. I love that. Let's move on to unpopular opinions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read yours I and really I agree. actually agree with you. Yes. So, oh God. So what is it? <laughs> okay. So my very, 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 very unpopular opinion is reality television, specifically this new, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, sure. I'm shocked that I haven't sworn already. This new fucking Tiger King show. Do not even get me started on this show. I, 
here's the thing. I have a very, very, very full life. It's very drama free. It's very positive. It's very forward focused. And that means that I don't have a lot of space to invite people's bullshit and people's drama into my life. So you better believe that at the end of like a 10 hour workday, when I've been listening to women talk to me all day about their personal stuff, the last thing I want to do is go home and watch an hour or binge somebody's bullshit and drama. Now, Tiger King is the worst because it's literally about this man whose goal in life is to sabotage this other woman and this woman's goal in life is to sabotage this man. Why is that? Why does that fill you up? Why does that fill your soul and your cup and make you feel any positivity at all? It's funny. It's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's funny, but it's also really shitty. And there's a big message in that video, which is like animal abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's completely, completely, completely missed because of all of the drama that is between the humans. I went to, um, on my birthday in December, 2019, I visited this um, animal sanctuary called Lions, Tigers, and Bears, and it's for all bears and big cat uh, exotic animals. And I got a tour, I got to feed the animals. It's all volunteer-based. It was one of the most positive experiences I've ever had. And they're all rescued from places like the zoos that are shown on Tiger King. Right. So it was really, 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 really heartbreaking to watch. I watched a couple episodes of Tiger King and then I'll, I won't finish it, but I had to watch it and um, it broke my heart. And I just, I think it's disgusting. And then, you know, there's also ridiculous shows like Love is Blind. Like, oh yeah, let's fall in love with each other from not even seeing each other. And one guy proposed after I think like a couple days of them talking. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? Like, this is so weird to me. It's not real. It's bullshit. They're all going to fail, not to be a pessimist, but it's just kind of the reality of it, you know? So I don't know. I just, I think reality TV is bullshit. The Housewives, I like yell at my mom to turn it off if she's playing it. It's so it's like, it's, it's, I love this word. You used it with cantaloupe. It's trash. <laughs> so I agree with you on the Tiger King thing, because I think people have, I think this is the first, I don't, I don't know. I think like everyone's bored, they're watching it, but it's almost like coronavirus in terms of the amount of like, like you can tell when your friend has watched it for the first time. Cause you're like, <laughs> you're like oh, here come the memes up oh, two more weeks of these <laughs> memes, Carol Baskin. <laughs> and you're just like, ugh, like we, or I already did that a month ago. Like I don't need to see it anymore. And so my, and my, my mother and my mother-in-law, her family is from Oklahoma. And so they have, I have actually like a two degree separation from the Tiger King himself because someone that I guess is within the family, they transported Joe Exotic when he overdosed or something. I don't know. Oh. But regard, but even so, like that doesn't, that doesn't excuse the, the horrible, horrible, horrible uh, animal, animal abuse. Now I think it's funny like the rest of people, but I'm not going to get fanatical about it. Yeah. Um, but I do, I love I love reality TV because I know it's fake because I've worked on reality TV production before. So I know it's fake and I know they're serving me a story, right? So I worked on Kitchen Nightmares 
Oh, okay. For one episode. And I, the way that they ended up telling that episode was not the reality that I had when I was working it. Mm. They like made it sound like this guy was smoking weed, which is why he got fired. No, he threatened to kill everyone and was on meth. <laughs> oh, geez. And it was bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, because of that, I have such a fond appreciation for reality TV because it's all, it's totally scripted. It's, it's whatever way they want to paint you in. It's whatever light they want to paint you in. And currently like I'm in like a couple of internet fights right now about Big Ed because Big Ed from 90 Day Fiance, like people think he's creepy and people think he's a bad person and he's a nice dude who just got a little bit of fame and he's like from San Diego. So obviously I'm going to like ride or die with that guy because yeah. he's a, a nice guy. I mean, he, he's constantly giving back to businesses and shouting people out and doing this and that. And so, I mean, yeah, he got painted in a bad life. Like take a step back and put yourself in that situation. He opened himself up to be criticized. And I mean, he, he, he messes with his haters. He's, he's, he's okay with what people are saying about him and stuff. But overall it's like when someone can't take a step back and realize that it's all fake, it's whatever edit they want to give you based on the content okay. that you're providing. Um, it makes it easier for me to watch it, I guess, because I know it's all fake. Yeah, totally. And uh, I get that. I get it. I totally get why people watch it. Yeah. I get the fake part. And I also get like wanting to disconnect from your own stuff, you know, like it's, it can be kind of nice to get out of your own head and, and get involved in somebody else's drama. But for me, it's just a personal, like, yeah. personal opinion. No, you're good. And I, and I like, I respect it. Obviously I always tell people, I'm like, you, you can have an unpopular opinion. It does not matter to me. Yeah. I am, I'm cool with it as long as it, your opinion does not hurt other people. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. So what's currently making you happy in the world? I know like it's hard right now with quarantine, but, um, yeah, what's bringing you joy? Um, as much as quarantine has been difficult, it also has brought a lot of people together um not to get political but i feel like it's the same thing with our last election because it was so bad and brought um unfortunately who it brought into our political system i have never in my life seen people rally together as much as they did after that especially women um, and so I feel like quarantine is kind of the same thing. Like we're all kind of just banding together and realizing that we all really need each other right now. I, I, I know for me, like, uh, going back to what I was talking about earlier with any of the struggles that I went through as a teenager, one of the things that helped me the absolute most getting over that was joining AA not even for the program, but for the community of it and realizing that like, holy shit, I am like way better off than like 99% of the people in this room. Like I thought I was depressed and psycho. Like these people make me look like Susie Homemaker, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's the same with quarantine. Like we all have been checking in on each other. Even at the salon, we have a group text with like the OG girls from the original Raven and Sage and we're now texting almost every day and, and it's really brought us really, really, really close together. We're like making all these ridiculous jokes and opening up about things that we've never actually opened up to our, each other about. And so um, that's been really positive and 
I don't know what makes me happy. The sun is shining. I live in beautiful San Diego. Like life is good right now. I know it's stressful for a lot of people and I know we're all in really tricky situations, but we're going to get through this and we all have each other. And you know, like Bianca for you living at home alone, like thank goodness for podcasts. Thank goodness for zoom. Thank goodness for reality television. If you want to watch it, like at the end of the day, we all have a fucking enormous amount to be grad to be grateful for. And we just really need to, to focus on that. Yeah. And I love that answer. Um, it makes a hundred percent sense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've touched on it so many times, but really just, we just have to all band together and be human and be kind and be generous and be loving and be understanding. And that's all we can do. Um, so we are coming to the end of this beautiful conversation. Um, I always give my, my guests the floor to promote whatever they need to promote. So do you have anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Sloan Stylist. It's Sloan with an E, so S-L-O-A-N-E Stylist. Um, you can find me on there. I specialize in blondes. So if you're a blonde, please hit me up in the DM or my phone number (laughs) or email or whatever is all on my Instagram. Um, and, uh, that's the big, big, big thing. I also, like we touched on earlier, have been working on online education for many months now. And, um, I had a big, big, big goal in mind to actually launch, um, uh, paid video education. But what I've realized, um, during quarantine and during this downtime to have a lot of thoughts and processes, I have decided instead to start a YouTube. I want to do free education. I want education to be accessible to every single person ever. And then we can kind of see how that launches off. So my goals during quarantine are to really put that into play. I've been working incredibly hard at it. And so Keep an eye out. Sloan Stylist at Raven and Sage and Sloan Stylist on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. And I will, of course, enter in all of those links into the description of this podcast so you can connect with Sloan. And, uh, you know, if you are blonde, please go to her. The the conversation's always great. And um, the water is never too hot and she never hurts you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Well, it's been such a lovely conversation. I've loved, you know, being able to have you as a guest and yeah. Do you have any parting words? Yeah. I mean, I just want to thank you too, Bianca. I think that what you're doing is so freaking cool. And ultimately you are part of what, what this quarantine is all about, taking it and turning it into a positive time for yourself. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me on here. I felt so special and it was so nice to talk oh, to you. I know. This and it's, it's, me of our yeah. talk at the salon. I know. Yeah. Well, I'll have to like invite you to some Zoom stuff in the future and yes, uh, give that. your family my love. Give Oliver a big hug for me and you. we'll see each other soon. Okay. Bye. So good talking to you, honey. You thank too. you so much. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye. Before I close out my episode, I just wanted to give a gratitude plug to everyone that's been listening to my podcast. Thank you for all the support, the positive feedback. I really appreciate it. And I just want to also say thank you that for, you know, donating in lieu of my birthday and gifts and all of that. Um, between both my podcast and my Facebook timeline, we were able to uh, donate 
over $600 to the Loveland Foundation, and that is going to help Black girls and Black women in communities nationwide gain access, valuable and vital access to mental health services and therapy. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, and then while we're also on that subject, we're almost to a thousand listens. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think that this would ever go anywhere. But no one's told me to shut up yet. So I'm going to keep recording. I'm going to keep releasing episodes and I'm going to keep the ball rolling. And thank you again. If you have it in you, please rate me on whatever platform you listen to me on and continue to spread the word. I know I'm doing something beautiful here. So thank you guys so much for listening, supporting everything you're doing. Please don't kick me out is, you know, a labor of love. And I'm just so, so proud of it. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a little rating. And if you're interested in becoming a guest, please reach out to me by using one of the links to the podcast social media in the description. Thanks everyone and have a great day.